Are you struggling to believe that there is a purpose for your life? That after all you've been through, seen or done, that there's a chance you'll ever find peace and wholeness again? Welcome to Love and Be Loved. This podcast explores what matters to us the most. Overcoming adversity, success stories on relationships with God, ourselves, and others. Now here is your host, Lena Sibula. I'm so glad for you to listen in today. Joining me today is Sherry Botwin. Sherry is a clinical social worker, author, blogger, and podcaster. On today's episode, Sherry is going to share the role of shame and staying stuck in trauma, and it is possible to break the cycle of abuse and developing healthy connections. It's crucial to rebuilding trust after trauma. And guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know what your biggest aha was. And if during this episode the name's gonna come to your mind, please share this episode with someone you know. Welcome, Sherry, to Love and Beloved podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's awesome. I love to start with your life story. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and where your journey begins. So my life story. So I um, grew up in a very abusive home. Um, when I was around 10 or 11, that was when I had a better understanding that the life I was living was not the life that I was always going to be living. And I decided that at some point I'm going to be speaking up and speaking out about what, what is happening here. And that decision is part of what helped me to get through my childhood, get into school, go into college to study psychology. And then I got my master's in social work. And as soon as I started working in the field and I left home, I moved into my own apartment. That's when a lot of the memories and my understanding about where I was coming from really came together. And it was probably then that I decided, even though I don't think I knew this consciously, it was then that I decided someday I really need to help other people with the things that I've been through, because I want to be able to know that I'm not alone and I don't want other people to have to experience some of what I experienced. So I got myself into intensive therapy in my early twenties. And then I started working with trauma survivors much more regularly in my late twenties, early thirties. So it's basically what I've been doing my whole life as an adult. Isn't that amazing that you got this calling very early in your life and as a child understanding, wow, this is not okay, something wrong. I totally can relate because that's very similar story, but it took me another 20 years to understand and think about and get that calling and another probably 10 years to start speaking out about it. So I'm really command you that you got this call and you follow that call and I'm so grateful for you for surviving overcoming and help others with your journey so Sherry I know you are here to instill hope and understanding about the impact of the trauma and abuse and to offer tips on how to move into a life of thriving can you please give us a few examples Sure. So one of the things that I think about a lot for people who've been through trauma in their childhood is how difficult it is to begin to find the words and to begin to understand the impact it had 
when we were growing up, the impact it has on us as adults, and also the shame and the denial that comes with knowing where we come from. So when, when I think about tips and ways to approach this, what I say to people is before you start speaking and owning your story, what you might want to do is set up the support and the safety that you need in your life so you can get through it. Because I think when we go through trauma, we have defense mechanisms, we have ways of disconnecting, we have ways of not knowing, but once the abuse ends and we better understand what happened, then the feelings come, then the grief, then the fear, the sadness, the rage, and for unfortunately, most of us, the shame. So I think in order to really work through things like trauma, childhood abuse, you have to be able to be in a place where you know that you're going to have support, a life to live for in the present. So I think the most important advice and stuff that I talk with people about, especially if I'm working with somebody that I can feel is needing and wanting to speak is really trying to understand what, why now are you choosing to break your silence Is it because you want things in your life now that you feel like you can't have because of what happened to you? Do you have support? Do you have people in your life that you can call when you're not in session? Do you have goals? Do you have things that you want to fight for? That's something that I struggled with in the very beginning. When I first started speaking, I went into these, what I would call shame attacks or periods where the despair and the the hopelessness was so strong that I didn't think I was going to be able to make it through. But when my therapist would ask me over and over, but why are you doing this now? What do you want to come out of this? That helped me to be able to refocus and say, I want to have a family. I want to speak. I want to write a book. I want to be a mom. And she would remind me, that's what you have to think about when you think I can't do this anymore. You think, but why do I want to keep doing this? You don't want to, you don't want to face your, your worst experiences just to feel pain. And that's what she would say to me, what you're not doing this to feel pain. You're doing this so that you can move through your pain and learn how to live with your pain and learn how to understand the role the shame plays in keeping you stuck in the grief and in the anger and in the denial. That's um, amazing. Thank you for this advice and such a different perspective too because and I think that's what amazing that we have the therapist or people who actually support us to guide us through the most difficult times because all of us been through trauma so we we can understand but with professionals it's a little bit more guided but I'm listening to you I'm like whoa I have all of those but on top of it I had fear too because when I start speaking out I already had and family and my new persona that I created. And I thought, okay, people already love me. I love who I am. I love my life. Why do I have to go back and again in that life? But I've been called that time. I knew that it will help someone else. But I never thought it's actually going to help me to have a compassion on my past, on myself. And I didn't even realize that because I hid this for over 20 years, I I carry that burden. You can, 
I, I cannot say like I was pretending that I was healed. I was okay. But it's always like this darkness of this secret was like lurking in because who you are, you know, if somebody find out who you are, like and stuff like that, you know, these dark thoughts. So speaking out really free me from this. And you know what? I had this fear and that's why I was quiet for a long time is the shame, guilt, condemnation. And I thought if people hear my story, they will reject me. They will abandon me. And that was my biggest fear because of my family abandoned and rejected me. So I hid. I was thinking like, you know what? It's never going to come out. But to get the true healing, it had to come out. I'm so grateful that you sharing your story and we can impact people to know and believe that there's hope and freedom and, you know, another thing that I'm always saying, there is no due day on healing and it's your own path. You're going to have as much time as you need. You can take as any avenues as you need, except that I always recommend, of course, the healthier, you know, sleep, eat, exercise, the support, you know, because for a long time, I cope with my trauma in a bad ways to drugs, through anger, through all this stuff. Because just, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know any better per se. Uh, A lot of people that I have met, and I went through this myself, they develop things like eating disorders, addictions to drugs and alcohol, because the feelings are surfacing, the memories are surfacing, and they don't want to have to digest it. They don't want to have to know it. They don't want to have to feel it. And we're not taught, especially if if you've been through trauma, we're not taught about things like self-care and self-compassion. So it's sort of just, it makes sense that that's where you go. But a lot of times when I meet people, they'll say to me, I'm so sick of living in this eating disorder. I'm so sick of having to worry about what I look like or worry about when I go out for the next social gathering, what am I going to do about the alcohol? People get to a point where they get so sick of it. And most people that I've met, and I don't, I didn't know this either, could do not know, understand the connection between self-sabotage and staying quiet. They don't understand. So what you're saying is as you speak and you let yourself know, and you face some of your fears, then you're able to take better care of yourself. This, the self-hatred and the shame, it's a process, but it's a process that over time you can understand and work through. Absolutely. That's a good one. The awareness, because now when I'm healthier in my mind, body, and soul, I can look back and I exactly see that that's what I chose because that I wasn't even aware that this is my default mode. When I'm uh, sad, I eat. I think the eating was number one for me because it's Mm -hmm. kind of socially accepted drugs. You know, if I was walking with the stroller and snorting like um, cocaine, people would know that this is problem. But I went severely depressed, overweight, and nobody even knew it. I'd never been diagnosed until I was so sick and tired to be this way. And it's very interesting. The doctor actually told me, he's like, well, you're mama of three kids. What do you expect? And I was literally, I was so angry because for last 10 years, I was battling with my like uh, overeating. And now I start connecting that it's my emotional eating. 
and plus being starving for half of my life and doing drugs for another half of my life. I start eating because now I have children. I don't want to drink and do drugs. But my head was not okay. I did all my blood tests and everything. And they're like, you're healthy. I'm like, I don't think I am healthy because I'm tired. I'm exhausted, this and that. And they're like, well, you're a mom of three kids. So there you go, guys. If you feel that something's wrong with you, just go investigate. Man, like get another doctor. Go like get a second opinion. I actually have a friend who went to 50 doctors to finally get properly diagnosed. And I'm not saying that it's um, against the doctors. I love doctors because they help us, you know, but sometimes we are so different and unique that you just cannot figure out and it's okay. You just find someone who can help you. Just don't give up. Find that right person for you and don't think it's you. It just, you know what, you need just right person. But um, it's very important um, to actually be aware that this is default modes you know what, we don't wake up or be being born like, oh, I'm going to be alcoholic, drug addict. There's underlying trauma that people actually cope with by using drugs and alcohol, you know, so. People don't choose to become addicted. People don't choose to have unhealthy relationships with food. And like, when you're talking about the stuff with the doctors, one of the things that I've done as I've gone through my recovery is when I'm looking for a doctor now, when I was starting to try and get pregnant 10, 11 years ago now, one of the questions that I would ask when I'd meet with the doctor is, are you trauma informed? Have you ever worked with incest survivors? Do you know um, that there are things that can happen for people like us when we're going through these different types of tests or exams? So I, I always advise people, especially if you're going to go to doctors that have to do with fertility or anything that has to do with your body, it's okay to ask, is this a doctor that has worked with child abuse survivors or domestic violence abuse victims? It's, these are good questions to ask. And some doctors really just don't know. They're not, that's not their specialty. They're not trained in it. And then what I've found is that there are some doctors who are really trained and understanding. And of course, some of them are also trauma survivors. So they, those doctors who've been through something, their bedside manner, the questions that they ask. And it sounds like in some ways you were dismissed. You were told it's just because you have three kids, but they're going to, there will be some doctors who can ask questions and not just make those assumptions. Absolutely. That's a great advice. I didn't even think about that. But it definitely can narrow the search. Thank you so much, Sherry. Actually, I want to ask you, what's one thing that people are generally surprised to find out about you? That's a good question. Um, wow. I don't think I've ever been asked that. What's Okay. So one thing people are surprised about is that I can have moments where I feel like I'm falling apart. People in my work life or even my friends say things to me like, you've, you've got your, your shit together. You're so confident or you seem so strong. And when I let them know, but I'm not always, I have moments where I feel very vulnerable, where I feel fragile, where I feel super sensitive. People get surprised about that because it's not something that I'm really comfortable to be open about. And I definitely think it's something that even though it's been 
20 something years since I've been working through all this. It's something I still work on. It's something I still need to work on, like letting people see all parts of me, not just the parts that I feel are um, good to show. It's okay to show negative feelings. It's okay to not always be having everything together. So people will be very surprised when I'll say, actually, I'm really not okay at all right now. Isn't that amazing? It's called authentic, you yeah. know, it's called real. I'm so grateful that this is the path that you chose because honestly, it's easier to be comfortable and trust a person like that. So that's awesome. So your second book, Thriving After Trauma and Stories of Living and Healing, released worldwide in October. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we just released the updated paperback. So I, I had the opportunity to write a little bit about COVID, the impact of all the social unrest, um, discrimination. It gave me a chance to talk about the things that I didn't talk about when I first wrote the book. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually like to know more about this process because how does it make you feel? It's such an amazing accomplishment. The best part for me about having a book was the writing it. The process of sitting down, uh, going through each chapter. I wrote a compilation of patient stories. So what happened was I would focus on specific themes, shame, loss, anger, um, coping with sadness. And I would go to work and I would think about different people that I've met through the years. And each month I took a specific theme and that was the focus of my writing. I found it to be very difficult to write the book, but incredibly cathartic and healing. And to be honest, I miss, even though it's a lot of work to write a book for me, the best part about this whole process was actually sitting down and writing the book. It's great when you get the book in your hands and they say, here's your book. And people are starting to buy your book and read your book. That part is amazing. But the writing process itself was by far the best part for me. I never thought I would be able to sit down and actually write a book. So once I started sitting down to write the book, it felt so easy because the words and the feelings have been there for decades. It's not new. That's amazing. Did you find that in some situations you actually think and feel different about that situation? So it was completely different experience that you think it's going to be there and pain and shame, but then you write and it's actually almost like it's finally out. Doesn't matter with what feeling, it's lighter on your soul. I can remember times when I was writing and after I would write a part of a chapter or think about another story I wanted to share. I've had a lot of feelings of freedom and joy. I, I can remember taking car rides and sort of blasting my music and going back to different memories that I wrote about. And instead of feeling sad and like in turmoil, I felt proud. I felt happy. I felt free. And when I would think about different people I wrote about and their journeys and the, the ultimate ending, which for many were much better than when I met them, it was like a celebration. It was, it was so happy. It was emotional, but it was happy. That is not depressing. That's beautiful. That's where the hope is. I totally can relate because I did never expect that I ever gonna write a book because English is my second language 
And I totally was on the path of different career. I never imagined that I'm going to be one day sharing my story that I hid for so long. And I'm actually going to be inspirational speaker and blogger and podcast host. You know, who knew? Well, God knew. But, you know, for me, I, I was um, taking totally different route. But while I still have my other business, I have been called to write a book about miracles of God in my life. First, like I had panic attack because I knew that I have to look back. I cry so much, but I realized there was no pain. I just cried with gratitude at where I am now. And it was such an amazing experience because without actually writing that book, I would never see this amazing contrast. I would understand, of course, this is my past, this is my present. But to see that contrast and to see that everything that happened, it was for a reason. And it's hard for us guys to see, especially for those of you who are still in the turmoil, who are still suffering, who are still fighting through. My to you, I don't know, I want to say advice, but advice, it's not the good word, but what you're going through, it's going to make sense one day. And there is hope and there is healing and there is people who are going to love you. You just don't give up. You just persevere. Everything is temporary. One day it's going to change. You just know that you loved, you are worthy and everything's going to be make sense. You just hang on and get through it. I actually like to talk about this part, talk about the role of shame and staying stuck in the trauma. Yeah. So I think what happens for a lot of us is we go into feelings of how we feel responsible for the things that happen to us, or we feel deserving of the things that happen to us. We, the, the abuse, it, it's something that goes not just into your body, but it's a part of your whole being. And unless people were telling you along the way, this has nothing to do with you. This is wrong. What's being done to you. This is not your fault. It can take us a while to really believe that the feelings of shame came from somebody else and were put into us. And when we stay stuck in shame, it's partly because we don't want to hold the people that hurt us accountable. Most people that I meet, and maybe, maybe this would be for you as well, are abused by family members, loved ones, people that we've put trust in. It's very infrequent that I meet somebody that's been assaulted by a stranger. So the fact that a person that's supposed to be a protector, a nurturer, uh, a parent, a teacher, a coach, a doctor, it's so hard to wrap our heads around that uh, somebody in this role could be so hurtful and so sick in their head that they would do these things to somebody like us. So what, what I used to say to myself when I would feel like it's me, I'm disgusting. Um, nobody's going to want to ever talk to me. I'm never going to find somebody that's going to accept me. I would then say back to myself, but if you weren't feeling so responsible and so at fault, what would you be feeling? Would you want to say something to people that hurt you? Would you want to would you want, would you be mad at the people who enabled the perpetrators? So it's really a defense mechanism. And it's a feeling that we carry many of us for so long, especially if we're in secret, 
it's the shame is part of what keeps us in secret. So it's very difficult to move out of the shame. In my book, there's a whole section on that. And that honestly was the hardest part to write. Even as I talk about it today, no matter how many years it's been, I can still feel the feeling in my body when I just even am asked about it or need to reflect on it. And I think that there's things that we can do to take the shame and move it out of ourselves and put it where it belongs. And it's in letting go of the shame that we can actually begin to grieve and go into a place of self-compassion versus self-hatred. Absolutely. I actually a strong believer in positive affirmation because I know our words can either speak life or speak death and our tongues can build us up or can tear us down. So um, I had to create positive self-talk and actually repeat those affirmations until they became true. Because it's very hard for me to change real fast because half of my life I said to myself that I'm abandoned, I'm alone, I'm broken, I'm worthless, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless. So when I was saying that I'm significant, it didn't sit with me right. Oh, I'm worthy. Or what I'm saying, it's important, you know, because I had no voice for half of my life. So literally, I would repeat things over and over. And I felt like I'm lying to myself. So guys, it will take time. And you have to practice to develop those habits, train yourself to switch that script. And it's gonna take a while. And honestly, it works because our mindset can be a pre-programmed. And it's going to bring the healing. So when you feel that you are worthy, you can be more open for other people to give you compliments, to give you love, and for you to trust a little bit again, because sometimes it's very hard to trust other people as well, especially after trauma. But there is still good people. There is still love. There's still compassion and help. Sharing my podcast form, you said, that developing healthy connection is crucial to rebuilding trust after trauma. Can you please elaborate on that? So when you were just talking about this process of affirming ourselves, when I couldn't say those things to myself, I would reach out to close friends and I'd say, tell me why I should stay in this fight. Tell me why I'm worthwhile and should stay on this earth. And I would ask people to leave me messages on my voicemail. And what I would do is play them over and over and over again. So the idea of replacing self-destructive tendencies with healthy relationships, that's part of how we learn to build trust in ourselves and in others. It was one of the things that I did. And I see people doing this. I see clients working on this as well. As I'm beginning to open up and break my silence, I'm looking for people who can tolerate what I'm going through, who can understand, even if they can't understand completely, because nobody understands completely. And I'm finding ways that they can be a support. And I'm learning that there are really good people in this world that my worst fears or that my feelings about trust are based on my history. They're not based on all people. There are so many, what I've seen in the last 20 years, there are so many good men out here. Uh, I used to think there's no such, no such thing, 
But now, especially as a parent, knowing dads, I've been watching some of my kids' dads that I know for the last 11 years. And I see there are men out there that are trustworthy, that are caring, that are protective. I am meeting colleagues and I'm making friends with people through the last 20 years that will affirm me, will not try to put me down, will not try to tell me that it's not good when good things happen to me. So if you're open to the idea that trust exists, then you have to hold on to that thought and bring it out into the world with you. That's a beautiful advice. I love this. I hope guys like you writing this down, ask your friend, ask someone who you trust, say, tell me why I should stay in this fight. And honestly, this is amazing to save those messages. Affirmation, when you tell telling to yourself, it's one thing, it can sound like a lie and you have to embrace it and it's take time. And same as from other people, you have to believe what they're saying to you, it's true because they love you, they respect you, they want you to be better. So when they tell you all these good things, you have to be just open and willing, whatever the bad thoughts gonna come, why are they saying this? Maybe they saying this, that no, you trust the person who's saying that your support group that they want to build into you and you just embrace it. And they say, because I'm strong, because I'm overcomer, because I survive, because I'm not the victim, but the survivor, because I will try, because all this stuff. So you just take it, take it and meditate on it. And that's going to be that positive support. And definitely, if you go into the hard time, reach out, you're not alone, reach out, the people there will support you and help you. And actually, I want to ask you, Sherry, this question, what would you say to someone who is struggling right now? I would say, listen to all the things that we talk, we're talking about today. If you're struggling right now, know that that's part of your process and that you will not always be struggling and ask yourself things like, what can I do to struggle less? Is there a part of me that is struggling because I feel like it's not okay to not struggle? Reach out to other people. Know that it's in the struggle that you're working towards change and that you're working towards having a better life. And you're working through some of that shame we were just talking about. You're you're trying to work through it. If you're feeling like you're struggling, you're definitely in a state of knowing. And I still feel like it's better to be struggling and know versus be in denial and act like it's not so. That's a really good advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to ask you, what are you looking forward to in the future, personally and professionally? So personally, I think I'm still working on developing a really intimate, trusting relationship with a partner. That's something that I haven't experienced in the way that I want. And I do believe that I will. So I, even though I don't know when and how that will look, I look forward to the opportunity and I feel open to, to the idea that it will come. I always look forward to my role as a parent and where that will take me as uh, my now 11 year old moves into sort of another phase of living. I don't look forward to the teen years, but I do look forward to finding out what that's going to bring. And I look forward to to continuing to meet colleagues and make connections with other people who like yourself, who 
are warriors and survivors and thrivers. I definitely will be writing another book. It's, it's sort of happening, but it's just not on paper yet, but it's happening. And I look forward to finding out what I'm going to learn next about myself and the world and people around us. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. So Sherry, where can people go find out more about you and your work? They can find me on all the social media platforms, social media tags. I'm on Facebook. I'm Warrior Botwin 7 on Instagram. I have a website, which is just my name, www.sharibotwin. They can find my book on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. They can listen to the podcast that I'm currently doing. We're about to wrap up season two, um, but we are, that is called Warrior Women Speak. And that podcast is some about trauma. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, And you can also just reach out to me. My email address is on my website. You can find it online. So I always welcome people to reach out and um, make themselves be known. That's awesome. So before I let you go, Sherry, I would like to ask you my signature question. Oh, no. You'll be fine. (laughs) What does love and to be loved means to you? Oh, boy, that's a whole show in and of itself, isn't it? Um, Love is being able to take your stuff, put it aside and just be there in a genuine and authentic way for someone in need. To be loved, I feel like is to be able to love yourself first and then share the love that you give to yourself out there in the world, especially if you're a parent, the idea of loving a child is, is so healing. And that is one big mushy, a big glop of sappy. There's no such thing as too much of that love. That's awesome. Any final thoughts, Sherry? My, I mean, my final thoughts are, I'm just going to go back to what we were just saying. If you're out there and you're feeling like, what is the point? Why am I doing this? Well, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't have a point or you didn't have something you wanted to just stay focused on what you want for your life and never let what someone did to you define you because you're so much more than what happened to you. That's amazing. I really like that phrase. I like to repeat, you're so much more than what happened to you. Thank you so much, Sherry, for being our guest. So much insight. Really, really appreciate you sharing your story with us today. And Sherry Botwin is clinical social worker, author, blogger, and podcaster. Sherry has been counseling survivors of all types of trauma and abuse and in her private practice. And Sherry's second book, Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing released worldwide in October. And Sherry's mission is to instill hope and understanding about the impact of trauma and abuse and to offer tips on how to move into a life of thriving. And again, don't hesitate to reach out to Sherry. I will post in show notes links to everything was mentioned in this episode. Stay tuned for another edition of Love and Beloved. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Sherry. So grateful for you and your time. And thank you for you and all that you're doing on your show. Thank you. And remember, you are never alone. You are loved. You are God's treasure, precious and priceless to Him. 
Thank you for listening to Love and Be Loved. If you have any questions about what you heard today, visit lovedandbeloved.com. It's love and the letter B with no E, loved.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to connect, we would love to hear from you. So send a quick note to lenasabula at gmail.com. Stay healthy, stay safe, love, and be loved.